Welcome everyone, welcome to oh, Review Yourself. Today, today, <laughs> in this episode, we're going to be reviewing National Theatre Live's production of The Crucible 2022. Now, for anyone who remembers, I did a National Theatre Live review back last year on Leopold Start, and that got some I think it's the fourth highest listened to episode, so thank you very much for that. If you've listened to it, thank you, thank you very, very much. It's a great play. You can get the script online. Tom Stoppard wrote it. It's great. If you haven't listened to it, go over and check it out. It's quite a decent review. It was, I really, really enjoyed it. Did it all off the cuff as well. Didn't make notes like this one. So, for the National Theatre website, the Crucible synopsis reads as follows. Speak of the devil and he appears. A witch hunt is beginning in Salem, Massachusetts. Raised to be seen and not heard, a group of young women suddenly find their words have a terrible power. As a climate of fear spreads through the community, private vendettas fuel public accusations and soon the truth itself is on trial. Arthur Miller's gripping parable of power and its abuse returns in an urgent new staging by director Lindsay Turner. End of their synopsis. It does make you think. This play, it really does. So basically to break it down for anybody who hasn't seen it, starts off, Abigail, young woman, she's caught with her friends in the woods. It's it's a very, very suspicious time. They think they're going to be accused of witchcraft. So they start accusing people left, right and centre. She's had an affair when she was a helper to Mr. Proctor. His wife knows about it. She, Abigail, accuses... So when I say accuses of witchcraft, she accuses Mrs. Proctor, Goody Proctor, to protect herself and the others. You think at one point, but it becomes pretty clear quite early on that she does want more to do with John Proctor he's very much saying I made a mistake I owned up to it I told my wife she isn't having that Abigail is you can tell she wants him back and that's the beginning this very very small kind of seed that everything else comes from more and more dominoes begin to fall. Wasn't sure, because the last time I did the Crucible, God, I was in school, so you're talking, got 15, 16 years, so I don't have a clue. I wasn't sure if they streamlined the play, to be honest. Because I remember Abigail being in it a lot more, whereas in this, she's not in it an awful lot. You'd think from the marketing that she was, but actually she isn't. If anything, the the Proctors are kind of the main characters in it. Then you've got Reverend Hale. We'll, we'll come on to these characters later. The first act is set in three locations. A bedroom, a farmhouse, and the church is the, the opening scene. Where we see Abigail and her friend, they're at the back of the church. And they're talking, kind of messing about. And the priest walks over and just backhands her, just smacks her. And it's it's quite shocking. So Abigail's played by Erin Doherty of The Crown. 
she played Princess Anne in series three and four. She does a great job when she's on screen. On well, yeah, because when she's on stage, but she's not in it an awful lot. She's always it's always revolving around her character, and with the way the staging is, you can sometimes see her in the background through a screen as you know things that take place elsewhere. You know, she she's the puppet master. She's she's pulling all the strings and special mention has to go to Rachel Deirdrix as Mary Warren. She's Proctor's help and Abigail's friend, who gets caught in the middle of it all, tries to come clean about the truth that they haven't seen witches, they haven't had spirits cast upon their person by witches and she but it all kind of falls down because eventually she she throws herself over to the hysteria and goes back to the girls and Abigail. Mr. Proctor, the actor, was marvellous. Brendan Cowell. Mrs. Proctor, she was fantastic as well. And as the play goes on, you get... I've got to be honest, the first 10 minutes I was, I was kind of trying not to drop off it was it was very warm in there and the seats rec- recline right back so you you try not to fall asleep really but it wasn't the player's fault but to be fair that as we were walking out a guy uh old fellow had said oh um i said how oh, did you find it just you know as you're walking out because it was pretty full it was more old older people i'd say probably over 30s which is the category i'm now in but never mind um <laughs> And he said, oh, I missed the first 20 minutes. I said, oh, did you, were, like, were you late in? Oh, and no, I fell asleep. <laughs> I was like, fair enough. So I wasn't the only one. But it, it's not, it, very long scenes in single places, not a lot of movement. If you were tired, feeling tired, or you know, you're a bit run down like I am at the minute, you you kind of did want to go to sleep. And it was, it was warm in there. But anyway. The, the tension builds up throughout it. The first part is very much building up the story, build it, setting up the characters to this climax where people start getting hung. Now, you don't see this. Reverend Hale is played by uh, Fisayo Akinade. Now, he was brilliant in this. Like, he's not in a lot of the promotional, like not in the posters and things. But he really is probably the main character, I'd argue. And he he was brilliant. I've seen him in a few things on TV here. He was in a, uh, what was it called? A series called Cucumber, which is written by Russell T Davies of Doctor Who fame. He was in the spin-off of that. Was it Banana? And I've seen him in, what else was he in? He was in Heartstopper, I think as the teacher. Because he's older now. Uh, what else have I seen him in? He's been in a few bits. But usually, he's usually really animated in his roles. Very, with his body, very animated. And in this, he's very understated. And frankly, quite chilling. He's very, very zealous. There's an awful lot of zealotry going on. Because it, it goes past belief and they're god-fearing in every sense of the word but it's it starts to get thrown over to hysteria 
But like I said, I'm not going to get into all, all the kind of religious aspects of it because the, I don't, you know, I don't want this to be like a step-by-step run-through of the play. But you start to see these chinks in his armour. The small moments where you see that his beliefs, you know, he's troubled by the thought that this could be fraud. And it just builds up like into an infuriating set of events, especially as the first act reaches its climax and Mrs. Proctor is arrested. Matthew Marsh is definitely Deputy Governor Danforth. He, he's frightening. He's been in all, all sorts, Matthew Marsh. Oh, is that who he is? Yes, it is. I was, tr- I was trying to figure out who he is. Is he? Is he in Red Dwarf as Captain Hercule Platini? Sci-fi fans, let me know. I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, it's definitely him. But he's he's been in all sorts on on British television. He is very much because because witchcraft is a hanging offence, and you're stuck in this position of where if you admit that you have been taken over by Lucifer or the devil, and that you're casting spirits to go and harm people and work against God that you will be pardoned, but your kind of character is tainted. But if you refuse and continue to refuse, you will be hung. So what, you know, do you stick to your truth and die? Or do you lie and live? It's such a strong pull for, for for a human what what do you do and th- this play was was written by Arthur Miller as a a parable for McCarthyism in America the the red under the bed the, the communist hysteria the blacklisting of directors people in the arts anybody who was seen to be sympathetic to communist well communism you know communist and the communist system and and they were seen as as a threat and it became zealous this zealotry of well if you're not with us if you're and you see it through this if you're not with god then you must be against him and it it's well my auntie makes the point in a much better way than I do. I've got her her review of this that I'll be reading after this, but it's such a powerful play, and I couldn't remember an awful lot of it from school, because it's years, but when I started watching it, I, you know, it starts to come back to you, which is why I wondered whether they'd sidelined Abigail a little bit. Un- although, I mean, I can't really remember. The penny starts to drop for particularly Reverend Hale, that this is a fraud and he has been around America and he, I think he signed something like, I, I have signed 30 you know, death warrants for people for, doesn't say what for. And because he comes to kind of get confessions from people and he realises that it's a, it, it's a fraud 
Governor Danforth realizes really late on that it's a fraud, but at that point they've they've already hung twelve people. They've got like thirty nine left or something like that. Have they arrested thirty nine overall? And so that yeah, it's 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 not it is a powerful play. It ends with her uh, Mrs. Proctor being arrested. And and other older men in the in the village, their wives have been taken. You know, these people who go to church every 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 Sunday, they're very God fearing. They live their you know, they they live their life by the scriptures, you know, the the good book, the Bible, it's and then all of a sudden they're accused of something of which there is no proof, but oh, there is no proof of it because you're being accused of 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 being in league with the devil, and due to the nature of of that, there would not be any evidence. So it becomes very much. They said, they said. You know, it's very much one against the other, and they are swayed. You know. Possibly, the, you know, the, the children are being possessed and they're being threatened and this hysteria because Abigail threatens them that in the first scene, I will bring... She basically says, I, I'll, I'll come down on you if, you if you tell them what we've done in that forest. I think they've been silly and dancing and things like that. One of them runs off naked. So this means that the the other girls are very very frightened of her, and they go along with it because there's you know the strength in numbers. If and it gets more and more infuriating as you get through. You start to get towards the end. You know, Mister Proctor is basically given the option because Missus Proctor is saved by the fact she's pregnant, so she has to reprieve. And Mister Proctor basically he's told like if you confess, then you will live but then there's a stay a stain on 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 you and he, he can't you know he signs the he signs it and says yes i consorted with the devil but then they say well we're going to go to nail the port uh we're going to nail this post this confession to the church door so the village can see it and he's like no you've got my confession i've signed it you know you're the judge i've signed it in front of these people what what does it matter? But he he he's like no. He he won't, and even though he comes clean about Abigail, and that's when you think, oh the 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 what happened between her and Abigail? You think, oh the penny's finally going to drop for for Danforth especially, and he he admits, is it lechery, which is like an adult, which is adultery presumably, and. He, you know, Danforth makes them turn away so the wife can't look at him for any clues and says, why did you let her go? Uh, why did you let Abigail go? And she says, well, she displeased me and my husband. But she says, is you, he asks, is your husband a, le- a lecturer? Like, is he an adulterer, basically? And she says no. So then they don't believe him and because she's trying to protect his honour and in the end she kind of accepts it if that's the man that he needs to be and 
so he, he gets taken off to to be to be hanged with others. Abigail and, and as the ringleader and the girls they they start pretending to be possessed and Yeah, it's it's infuriating. I know I've said that quite a few times, but that that's what it is. At a, at a certain point I just wanted someone just to stop Abigail. I wanted someone to run in and just say that, well, people were trying, but I wanted, I, I thought, you keep thinking, surely if this is a man that she loves or uh, at the very least lusts after, what wants him, you know, wants the option and wants to get rid of the wife. If he's going to die, surely she's going to relent. Ah, and it also starts to drop because she she disappears. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a great play. <laughs> but so there was an interval after she gets arrested, like ah, a proper interval, so it gives you ten minutes to go to the toilet, you come back. because uh, I think it was about two hours, twenty, something like that. And during the interval that people like went to the toilet because cinema and then came back and ten minutes into the interval there was uh, like a behind the scenes of the production uh, of the stage and everything like that. And it was, it was set. It's in a large country, but it's set in such a compressed space. It's almost like they're caught in some huge printing press. They use like an overhead screen to show like a farm rise, uh, a farm, sorry, a sunrise over the farm. And I, I loved that. I heard the music was, was very climactic problem was that in the second half of the film uh, sorry the second half of the play the music from the show next door which was a bollywood film was so loud it was like if you've ever tried to watch a film and you know your brother or your sister or, or your neighbor through the wall is playing like drum and bass like it was so distracting and especially when you're not just watching another film which is like you're watching a stage play it's essentially people talking and that's it so it was very very difficult to at certain points to hear them and it's they talk in an old-fashioned way so you have to listen to it you can't just kind of guess at what's going on my auntie went and complained then a lot of us complained at the end and got like free tickets but fair play to the staff it's not their fault it's just it was decided to put the showing of, of a very quiet film next to a showing of a very loud film. And unfortunately, it it did kind of affect the viewing experience. But what I like about these National Theatre Live that you can watch in theatres, uh, sorry, in theatres, Americans say theatres for cinemas, don't they? That are shown in theatres, you know, plays live, and then they record them and you can watch them at your local cinema. And this is the second one I've been to. I plan to go to more this year. And you wouldn't think that you'd feel the same emotions as you do when you're watching a play. But you do, like it bleeds through. It's it's fascinating, really. Maybe now that's just me. So, that's my thoughts on it. Now for my aunties. So, she hadn't read or seen a production of The Crucible before. But she'd heard about the Salem Witch Trials. So she didn't know what was going to happen. At the start, as the girls walk on, her eyes were immediately drawn to Abigail. 
she looked menacing, but my auntie didn't know who she was. Then when she was talking to another girl in the church and the preacher hit her, this was shock a little shocking to see in modern times. The bedroom scene where there's there's an ill child and it's blamed on the children for dancing in the wolves uh, in the woods was chilling. And witchcraft is mentioned, and that's where these first accusations start taking place. Then we had the revelation that something had taken place between Abigail and John Proctor. It all became louder and more chilling towards the end of the scene, and all the names of suspected witches were shouted out. The name I remember most was Abigail screaming, Goody Proctor, Goody Proctor. That's John Proctor's wife. After the interval, my auntie, like myself, lost concentration for a bit because there's too much noise from the screen next door. Screen next door. But my auntie did remember that one chilling line, something like Judge Hawthorne saying, are you, are you a witch? And someone says, I don't know what a witch is. Well, how... How do you know you're not one? Like, how are you supposed to answer a question like that? And it, it's frightening to think that so many people were accused and executed in real life for suspicions and beliefs that are so, so different to today. However, my auntie feels that in a different way, today's culture with rumours and social media and media itself shows that humans are still susceptible to blame. So that is our review of The Crucible. I'd highly recommend if you can catch it. I don't know if it's on National Theatre at home. I'm not sure for anybody from outside the UK whether you'll actually be able to access this because I think it's just .co.uk, but if not, have a look. National Theatre, you can watch some shows live, uh, well, that have been filmed at home. There's loads, there's like opera, there's ballet, theatre productions, this isn't. Uh, this is not marketing or sponsored or anything like that. <laughs> I wish. Uh, so that that was my review of the Crucible. If you don't get a chance to see this, I would highly recommend that you go. There's a there's a film actually. There's a film version with Daniel Day Lewis, if I remember rightly, as John Proctor, and Abigail is played by Winona Ryder. I think, it's not, I think it's 1996 off the top of my head because I think we watched it in school. But obviously it's set in the village and it's, it's very different aesthetically from what I can remember. So if you don't get a chance to watch this, go check out the film or better than that, go back and check out the play, the, the book. Give that a read. If that's what you're into. I know some people aren't into books and prefer to watch it. But, you, but there's some places that you could check it out. But as ever, thank you very, very much for listening. I know I don't say it a lot, but I do appreciate everybody that listens. Thank you for my fellow podcasters and people for leaving comments about how you've enjoyed the episode. Marv from Pods Like Us especially, who who seems to listen to my episodes and I always get feedback. Go out and check out Marv's blog. Marv's Midlife Meanderings. But like I said, at Pods Like Us on Twitter. Go check them out. Great. And also Josh from Talking Smack. That's superhero movies, animation and comics podcast. Who always, always goes and rates my episodes, reviews them on Good Pods. I do appreciate it massively. And yes, as I said before, there's loads of podcasts out there that, that I chat to and things like that. So I do appreciate it. If you're someone who's just popped up for the first time, thank you for listening this far. 
You can find Review It Yourself. We're on Twitter. It's at Yourself Review. We're on Instagram. It's Review It Yourself Podcast 2021. Is that it? We should be on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to, your Apple, your Spotify, etc. Google pods, I think, I hope. Uh, go give it a li- Yeah, we are. Go give it a listen on there. But as ever, thank you for listening because there's lots of podcasts out there to listen to, and let's be honest. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And I really appreciate it. Cheers.